Hello and welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and today we are joined on the podcast by Meredith Masony. So if you love little comedy videos, if you're a parent, if you're a partner, you have very likely, or if you have angst against the man cold, you have probably seen Meredith's videos online. And she goes by the name That's Inappropriate. She's a blogger. She's a vlogger. She talks all about the challenges and humor that go into parenting, being a partner, long-term relationships, all those kinds of things. And uh, I have been watching her videos for ages and absolutely love them. Now, just a quick note, the Girl Tries Life podcast is actually part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Now, I know we talked about this last time, but with the holidays coming up, it is so important, I think, to remind you about ATB Cares, which is where you can donate to your favorite charity on atbcares.com, and ATB will cover the fees plus add 15% to your donation. So in 2017, over $4 million have been donated to charity through ATB Cares, and at this time of year, you know, I'm someone that works for a nonprofit, it is every little extra bit that you can give is so meaningful. And so for you to make a donation and have 15% added to it, that is going to go such a long way for any organization that you donate to. Now, I also want to tell you about another podcast in the Alberta Podcast Network. So if you enjoy Girl Tries Life and the interviews that we do, you're very likely going to also enjoy That's So Maven. And that is a podcast by women for women about women in business and leadership specifically. So they've typically been women in the Edmonton area, although I know they just added their first Calgary interview. So I will link to That's So Maven in the show notes. But I think if you enjoy my podcast, you're very likely to enjoy That's So Maven as well. So again, today we are joined by Meredith Masony. I have been enjoying her videos for quite some time, but what really fascinated me about Meredith was her story. And when I went to her sort of about page on that'sinappropriate.com and found out the reason that she had sort of kickstarted this blogging, vlogging adventure was because she had a health scare, a serious health scare where they thought she had cancer. And so for six weeks before the surgery that would determine whether or not she had cancer and the kind of cancer that they thought she had had a very low survival rate, all the things that went through her head in that six week period, you know, how do you prep for your family? You know, she's got three kids and a partner and like, how have you done all the things that you wanted to do with your life? And have you had the kind of impact that you hoped for? And obviously, luckily, she ended up not having cancer. You know, there were some complications, obviously. There were some complications health-wise, but it's not cancer. And that really was the kickstart for Meredith to say, I want to do something different with my life. And that's how That's Inappropriate began. Because Meredith is all about women and men, but people not feeling alone. That they don't feel alone. And that's why she's created such a strong community around That's Inappropriate, including her Hot Mess Express community, which we talk about in the podcast and which you can find in the show notes. So show notes for today can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 4343. And yeah, without further ado, let's head over to the interview. Well, thank you so much, Meredith, for joining us on the podcast. We're super excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm hoping that you can start us off with giving us a glimpse of what your life was like before That's Inappropriate started. Oh, yes. Well, I was actually a teacher in my past in my past life. I taught high school and middle school, and I enjoyed it, but my youngest after he was born, has some disabilities, and he's he's been diagnosed with autism. He had brain damage from birth that's caused some other issues. And so I actually spent more time out of work than in work. <laughs> and so I had to find a way to be able to stay home with him and be able to take care of him and take him to therapies and doctor's appointments. So I started teaching online. But when I started teaching online, I got very lonely. And so being isolated and always working outside the home, I, I was always surrounded by people. And then when I started working from home, I was 
with him, of course, and my my middle child, but I didn't have any grown up contact. And so I actually kind of fell into a, a bit of a, a slump and a funk and was a bit depressed. And so that's when I started blogging. And what were you blogging about at the time? Well, I let me rewind, rewind for a second, because it actually when I started having this depression and this funk is actually the same time that I found out that I was really sick. <laughs> so I, I, I got sick. Uh, I had an esophageal tumor. And that's actually what prompted me and pushed me to start blogging. So the depression and angst and all of this yuckiness that was going on in my life was, <laughs> was it was basically a, a tipping point And I, I, it paralleled when I got sick. So when I got sick, I went to the doctor and and they told me there was nothing wrong with me. And so for about six months, I kept getting sent home with new heartburn medication. Mm-hmm. And the doctor told me, you're the picture of health. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. And I said, you know, no, I'm sick. There's something wrong. My hair's falling out. I've lost 10 pounds. And he's like, no, 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 you look great. You know, he get, kind of gave me that, you know. Lots of moms get depressed and lots of moms feel like they can't keep it together. And I'm like, well, outside of not being able to keep it together, I, I, you know, I, I vomit. I have lost weight. My heartburn's out of control. No, no, try this. No, no, try this. So I finally went in and demanded a scope. And that's when they found that I had this uh, esophageal tumor that actually broke my esophagus and it was growing into it. And so he basically said to me, Oh, I can't treat you any longer. I don't deal with cancer cases and I can't identify this tumor. So he basically, you know, said, good luck, find an oncologist and didn't even recommend one for me, you know, just basically was like, I can't deal with you anymore. So I was in the middle of this funk. I was depressed. Now I was kind of facing this, do I have cancer? situation. And so I went to an oncologist and he basically sat me down and he was like, Hey, so you're 34, you have three kids and the type of cancer we think you have has a 5% survival rate. Oh my God. So he said, my advice to you would be to get your affairs in order. And I have to go in and do this massive surgery to even find out if it's cancer. Because if I go in and do a biopsy, And it is cancer. And if I clip it, it'll spread throughout your whole body. So I I had six weeks to figure out what to do. And it was funny because those six weeks kind of gave me this massive amount of clarity. And it's funny because the things you think about when you're kind of faced with your own mortality are, okay, how, how long can I freeze meals that my family can keep eating them after I'm dead? How do I do I hire somebody to do laundry because my husband has never done a load of laundry in his life? Like, do I hire somebody like for the next, you know, six, 10, you know, eight months, whatever? What do I have to do? Should my should I like set up a dating profile for my husband? Because he's like, you know, in his mid 30s, he's bald. He's got three kids. Like, I don't know how well online dating is going to go for him. He's not super, (laughs) he's not super suave. I mean, I love him to pieces, but like, I don't know if his game is going to be on point enough to date. (laughs) So you have all of these weird thoughts and you basically try to get yourself prepared. And then the next phase is, oh my gosh, I don't think I did the things I was supposed to do with my life. I don't think I was the person that I was supposed to be. I know I, I know I have the kids that I was supposed to have. I married the guy I was supposed to marry. I was, I, I love, I love them, but professionally and personally, I I didn't do what I wanted to do with my life. And so what happened at that point, I, I go into the hospital, they crack my chest, they cut me open. I have an incision from my sternum through my belly button And they basically removed my entire esophagus in order to take out the tumor. And they did a cold dissection. And so the doctor came out and told my husband while I was still under, it wasn't cancer. We had to rework some things. She's going to, it's going to be a long road, but it's not cancer. We can fix this. And so when I woke up, he basically just leaned in and was like, you don't have cancer. And I think I just looked at him and I was like, 
okay, I love you. And then I just passed out for like another two or three days because they don't let you wake up from something like that. They kind of like keep you asleep for a while, which is good because it sucked waking up. But then after I got out of the hospital, I looked at my husband and I was like, I have to do some things. And he's like, okay, like what? You need me to go to the grocery store? And I was like, no, I have to do some things like I have to figure out who I am because I get a second shot at this and not everybody gets a second shot and I have to do some things. And so as I was recovering, I started talking about how I wanted to to start this blog. And I had actually owned That's Inappropriate, uh, the, the uh, URL, for a year and never wrote a word. Oh, wow. And after the surgery, I said, I'm going to start the blog. And my husband was like, yeah, okay, you've had it for a year. You've not done a single thing. And I said, well, I'm ready now. And in October, my surgery was in August. In October, I published my first piece. And so it was basically this kind of rebirth because I got the second shot. And so I started. And now I was still working at the time. So I was teaching online. I was recovering from the surgery. I started the blog and I was doing, you know, all of the things at once, but it was kind of like the necessity. I had to, I had to do this. I had to start. Was it something that like was writing something that you'd done before? I loved to write. I always boast about the fact that I scored a five on my high school writing exam for the state. Uh, So obviously I was a well-decorated writer. No, I had never (laughs) written before. I just like to tell stories. And I thought to myself, how hard could it be if I tell stories already? Maybe, Maybe I could write my stories, you know, because to me... I I assumed they'd be the same. It wasn't. It was very difficult to start writing, but I knew that I wanted to be able to share my experiences with other people. And so I started by basically, and if you've read any of my stuff, and if you if you read my book, or if you go to my website, you know that I write like I speak. Yeah, which is not necessarily how people do this. You know, I am not a novelist by any stretch. I am I am not going to be some sort of a, you know, decorated writer, but I write like I speak and I tell I tell those stories so that so that moms and women and wives and I mean we even have men who follow so they don't feel alone. That's the point. That's why I do it. Well, and I think people are able to connect with you so much more because it's it does feel like they're talking to you. Or they're listening to you. Yeah, absolutely. The point is to have a conversation. I am not um, somebody, I I don't remember who made the comment. They were like, I loved your novel. And I think I laughed out loud. And I wasn't, and it was, I meant absolutely no disrespect to their comment. But I thought to myself, oh, to everybody who wrote a novel, what an awful thing (laughs) to have said. But she was, she was so sweet. And she was like, every, every page that I turned in your book, I felt like, you were in my house watching me. And I was like, yes, yes, that's the point. I wanted to make that connection with you to let you guys know you're not alone in the struggles in your marriage and the struggles in your life and the struggles with your kids and your struggles at work. But yes, you know, and it made me know that it was worth it to have put those words to paper because I made those connections. And that's what I wanted to do from the beginning. So that was, no matter how many books I sell, that was a success. Like I felt like I was validated and it was a success and it doesn't matter what happens from this point forward. I made a connection with, with people. And that to me was worth it. And a hundred percent, you can tell it from Goodreads. Very few people score above a four and people love your books. Like the, your book, the reviews are just like so heartfelt and you're obviously making that connection with people. Yeah, but well, thank you. It is yes, it's a big deal for me. That's one of my biggest, most prized accomplishments to date. So, when did the videos start? When did you move into that? <laughs> well, it was funny. I was, I, I, my husband would always joke, not joke. He he meant it. He would say, "Get off Facebook." nobody can Facebook this much. Like there's no reason for you to be on Facebook this much. And I'm like, I'm researching. And he's like, nobody is researching on Facebook. And I'm like, no, I swear I am. And so what I would do is I was watching everybody, all of the mom blogs, all of the social influencers, all of the people who I felt were 
similar to me and in my space and my niche, if you will, I I was watching them because I wanted to see what they were doing and how they were connecting because I wanted to make sure that I was connecting the best way that I could. And so I could only get so far with the written word, especially in terms of my sarcasm, because sometimes it would be lost and people would take it completely different from the way I was trying to present it. And I thought to myself, how do I get them to get it and, and, and know that, that this is satire and this is a joke because if my words weren't relaying it, I wasn't doing it right. And so I would watch and watch and watch and watch. And I noticed that Facebook was starting to really promote video on its platform. And I thought to myself, what if what I took, what I wrote and I turned it into videos because I loved I loved stand-up. I used to do stand-up. I would dabble in it every now and then. It was just fun to get out in front of people and tell your stories and tell your jokes. And so I thought, what if I turned this into kind of like a sketch comedy thing? And so my husband was like, I'll play around with it. And I was like, okay. So I actually, at the time, only had a MacBook. I didn't have a computer or I mean, I didn't have a camera. I had, I had just the phone and the MacBook. And so I would take my MacBook out around the house and I would kind of play with it and try to make these little videos. And I noticed that a video post would go four times as far on Facebook as a written post. And I thought to myself, holy crap. Okay. So Facebook obviously is promoting video. How do I make sure that I'm seen and, you know, and engaged? And so I would just play with different things and I would try to find the things that moms and women and wives would relate to most. And so I went back and I, all of the written posts that I had done from that time, I think it had probably been about 18 months worth of writing. And I picked my top like five or six and I turned them into videos And so I started working with them and playing with them. And in May of 2016, my husband was away on a golf trip over Mother's Day. It was the week before Mother's Day. And somebody said to me, what do you want for Mother's Day? And I blurted out, I want to be left alone. And they like, they audibly gasped, right? And I was like, I don't understand why that's a problem. Like, I do want to be left alone. Like, I'm with my husband and my children 365 days a year. If I, if you ask me what I want, I'm going to tell you, I want to be left the hell alone. <laughs> and so when I said it out loud and I heard the reaction, I thought, I think I have to make a video about this. And so that was my first viral video was what moms actually want for Mother's Day. And that's the one that I first saw of yours. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. so it... it it was just, it was literally what I wanted. I wanted to have a mimosa and then I wanted to be left the hell alone. And then if you want to sit with me and tell me I'm pretty, that's cool. But then I want you to go away. And then I want to have brunch and then I want to have a mimosa and then I want to be left the hell alone again. And it just kind of goes this back and forth of, of what I actually want. And so we had a lot of fun with that video. And I did some, I started doing some live streaming as a result of that. And, and it was insane. The page went from 3,000 followers the day I posted that video to roughly 60,000 followers at the end of that month. That's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So you obviously are hitting this nerve with women. And I think there, there is this, I get, you know, Pinterest, I feel like is the worst for it, but you see like women and moms that are trying to be so perfect or keep it all together yeah. Why do you it, think we're doing that when like our moms never expected to be like that? And our mom's moms never expected that. What, what is it about our generation and those below us? Like, wh- it's why? social media. It is social media a bajillion percent because people can put out that, that aura or that essence or that air of perfection because you can capture that in a still or a frame or a video and you can edit it and you can make it perfect. And that's what I think Pinterest is great for a lot of things. You can go and you can find your projects and your things and your pretty pictures. Instagram does it as well. But what I found was I was watching this and watching, it's exhausting, right? Like I was watching this and thinking to myself, how are they doing it? How do they have it together? How is this a possibility? My house looks like an episode of Hoarders. (laughs) Nothing is going right. My kids are screaming in the minivan. I one day I actually drove past my son's school for pickup and my daughter was in the back and she was like, aren't you going to get Matias? And I was like, of course, that's where we're going. And she's like, you passed the school like five minutes ago, mom, what are you doing? And it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what day it is. And so I thought to myself, how is it that I'm doing this, but everybody else is winning? 
why am I the only loser? And that's what I, what, when I started to write and I started to make these videos, I thought, no, I'm not going to show, I'm not going to show a pretty picture. I'm not going to show myself put together because I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to be honest and tell everybody the truth, whether it's the truth about my marriage, the truth about parenting, the truth about, you know, my, my working life. I'm going to be honest and I'm going to tell you what it's actually like. And most days it's a massive dumpster fire. So I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. And so I think the reason I've had success is because people can say, thank you for being honest. That's what my life is like. Yes, we love to go look at pretty pictures of, of crafts and, and, and family photos, but we also like to see the behind the scenes of what it was like to take that family photo and, and what it was like to be out in public and have your kids scream at the dinner table, I have to poop, and everybody in the, in the restaurant just kind of stops and looks at you. And so you just, I wanted to share those moments because those moments are actual life yeah. and that's what we're living. So you know? with social media not going anywhere, do you see this changing? I think, I think that I've noticed a lot more moms talking about what I talk about since I started this. I've had moms come to me and say, um, I want to do this now too because of you. And so I absolutely think that you you will see a shift in in what is real. I've seen celebrities come out and talk about a lot of things that were kind of hush hush before. So you see them talking about the bullying and this and the cyber harassment. You see them talking about the conversations they're having with their kids and their husbands and you see them talking about uh, you know, taking pictures of themselves before coffee and without makeup on and what life actually looks like. And we, it's okay to commiserate. Yeah. It's okay to complain. Life is absolutely not all roses. Most days are, uh, uh, you know, a crap storm. So it's okay to talk about that and, and be okay and be in that space. Yeah. I just want to read this uh, quote from your mom, Fessions. It's from November 15th. And it's a mom that says, Today, I really wanted to ship my two-year-old off for a few days, have some relative, take him for a couple days just to get a break and be myself for a few days. I realized how much I missed just being me at one point today. Not a mom, not a full-time student, not a part-time employee, not a wife or taking care of my house. Just be me without all the responsibilities and other roles I play. Mm -hmm. And I just... And like, this is not a lone case. Like you go through your mom fashions. Like what was the, what was the impetus to create that? I wanted a space where there was no, f and here's the other thing too. I don't know who that is. It's yeah. completely anonymous. When it comes to me, there's a filter on it. So I can't see it. I don't know where it came from. And I wanted people to be able to know that that space was a place to be public, but remain private. And so you could say what you were actually thinking without the fear of my mother-in-law follows me on <laughs> Facebook, or my husband is going to see this, or my best friend's going to know this. So you needed to have that. Because when I started the blog, it was anonymous. I didn't, I didn't uh, show pictures or videos or give my kids names. And then I finally realized that in order to have this voice and to, and to give it its power, I needed to be seen. And so that's when I started putting my face out there. But if you, if you can't take that step, which I totally understand, you still need to be able to have that voice. And so I wanted to give that with that, you know, with it being anonymous and finding ourselves is something that has to happen because after we get married and after we have kids and we become wives and mothers, we do get lost. I, I've not met a woman who hasn't gotten lost. Yeah. It's yeah. difficult. It's hard. It's exhausting. It's sad. But the best part is as easy it was as easy as it was to get lost, you can be found and you can be who you are aside from your children and your husband and your friends and your work. You can still be you. And we need to bring that to light because women need to know that it's not selfish to be yourself. Yeah. It's it's not. It's it's actually imperative and it's basically necessary in order to be the best mom and the best wife or the best significant other or whatever. You have to be you. So hiding and running from it just delays the process. Hence the midlife crisis, right? Yeah. So my husband thought when I was doing this, 
when I started this out that that's exactly what I was having. I was having some type of a midlife crisis. And, and maybe he's right. Maybe that's what it was. But to me, I call it a quest. I was having a midlife quest because I my story didn't end when I got married and had kids. Yeah. You know, it's part of my story. And it's a very important part. And it's a very it's a part that I'm very proud of. But I am an individual outside of these children and my husband, uh, you know, and that's important. And you need to know that that's okay. It's not just okay, but it's, it's, it's necessary. Yeah. What have you learned from the mom fashions and the, and the women who are part of your community? And that we're not, yeah, that we're not alone. You're not alone. There are so many of us who are having all of these feelings all of the time. And if we voice them and if we discuss it and if we talk about it, we can we can feel validated and continue to move forward. Feeling alone is so dangerous because it forces you to keep your thoughts quiet. It for it can force you into depression. It can force you into feeling like there's something wrong. And you need to talk about that stuff. It's, it's so important for our own mental health and for the, for the, for the health of our families to have those conversations. Yeah. And you had a post recently on love and marriage and you're very, very honest in it about like sort of the time frame when things were, things were good and things were challenging and this, that, and the other. And it's, um, definitely an eye opener. I definitely had moments where I was like, yep, yep, me too, me too. How you know, you talk about a period of four years feeling, often feeling alone. How, what's your advice for people to get through that four years is a long time? <laughs> How do you, well, like? Well, four years, yeah. I think what happened was we fell into that rut of being roommates, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you've had these kids together. You're so tired. I call it bone tired. Yeah. Um, bone tired is something it, that is very, it, it's, it's, it's its own thing because there are times in your life where you can literally feel the tired in your marrow. Like it's like so deep down in there. And so when your kids are that little, you don't want to necessarily have sex. You don't want to be touched. You don't want to have, you want your, your spouse to have that connection with you, but you, at the same time, you don't because you don't have the energy to support that connection. And so you can fall into this rut of being roommates and just going through the motions. And when you do that, you can have that moment where you look at them and you think, I just want to hit you with a bat a little bit, just a little bit. Like, I just want (laughs) to hit you in the face. I don't want to injure you, but I do want to inflict pain on you at this moment (laughs) in time. Now, for the most part, we don't do that. And we hold that in, but we have those feelings and I kind of felt at that time, I wasn't able to express it in a constructive manner. So I just kept it in and held it in. And to to my former self, I would say wrong. Nope, you need to communicate that you need to talk about that. Number one, he's not psychic. He has no idea how you're feeling because you're lying to him and saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. And so you're not being a good communicator, I would say, seek out couples therapy, seek out somebody to talk to, communicate your needs, communicate your desires. What is it that you want? Um, my husband's love language uh, is touch me, be with me, feel me, need me, you know, love me, be on top of me. That's his, <laughs> that's what he wants. And mine was uh, leave me alone. Show me you love me by leaving me alone because I'm so freaking tired. I can't see straight. And so we were not on the same page. And it took me a good long while to figure that out. And of course, as the kids grow and they need less attention, you can give each other more attention. But looking back, I would say your marriage has to come first because your kids have to know that you love each other and that you can take care of each other so that you can take care of them. And so in the beginning, I wasn't putting my marriage first. And I would laugh when people, when I would read these books about how the marriage has to come first so the kids understand it. And I laughed and it's like, how could I put my marriage first when my kids are so super needy all the time? You have to find a way to do it. You really do because it's so important. And now I, when my kids interrupt me and my husband, when we're speaking, I say, I'm sorry, it's not your turn. I'm speaking with your father. When we finish our conversation, I will help you with what you need. Now, is that something that you can do when a baby, an infant is crying and needs to be fed or diapered or changed? Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. But you do need to find ways and times to communicate with your spouse so that they don't feel like they are the last one to be taken care of. So it's a delicate balance. There is a formula to it. It is not easy, 
and it's something you have to work at. But now that my kids are 11, 8, and 7, I can tell you to hold on and you should be able to. And I will finish a conversation with my husband or get him something that he needs or he can help me with something that I'm working on and they're going to survive. So it takes time and you have to work through it and you have to be open to discussing it. And we did have what I call the fireworks fight where (laughs) I just unloaded on him years and years and years of pent up frustration and anger. And he just looked at me like I had no idea. And I thought to myself, how did he not know? Because I didn't tell him. Yeah. So with all the women sharing, women and men sharing all their experiences, have you ever had people asking you for advice? Like surely that must come up now. I I get it all the time. And I always start my response with, I am in no way, shape or form. <laughs> I am I am in no way uh responsible for the advice that I give you nor is the advice that I give you necessarily good advice it's my experience because I don't want them to think that I'm any type of professional therapist I am not I am just I am a woman who is sharing and I ha- yes I am married I've been married for 14 years yes I'm a mom I've been a mom for for going on 12 years now my son will be 12 in a couple of months but this is my just it's just advice please don't take it as anything anything more than that because I'm not a therapist but I do I get I get questions a lot and so what I start what I did was I started a parenting community to basically a spot so that people could get advice from each other and ask those questions. And of course I chime in, but it's, it's just a sound, basically it's a site that's a sounding board and it lets them know that they're not alone. So they can go to hot mess express and basically give and seek advice in a private forum. That's not as public as it is on Facebook. And there are groups, they created groups for military moms and for moms who are, um, you know, uh, who are single and moms who have kids with special needs and moms who are looking for tips on self-care. And it, it's given them a place to really connect and get advice and seek help and know that it's a safe, safe, safe spot. Well, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. So all of our listeners can take, take part in the hot mess express. Oh yes. Cause it is a hot mess. Yeah. So Dare I, am I able to ask you for some quick advice? Of course. Okay. So personal, but I'm, I know so many other moms going through this. I am pregnant with my second child. Yay. Congrats. Thank you. Terrified. Absolutely terrified. Cause my old, well, my son is just starting the terrible twos. Uh-huh. And I literally, like with the tantrum after tantrum, had this, what the hell have I done to myself? Right. <laughs> any any advice for surviving that, like, terror? You're going to survive it. And, and that's what it will be, survival, for a while. Because you're going to be tired and you, have, and you have a toddler and you're going to have somebody who's sucking the life force out of you that's a newborn. But you will find moments. I would say to you, absolutely... When, and it's the age old advice that everybody says, when the baby sleeps, you should sleep, but we find every excuse not to, but I do promise you that the dishes will still remain in the sink. If you give yourself time to nap with the kids when they're asleep, give, give the toddler, you said it's a boy, your son, give your son some responsibilities when the baby comes so that they can feel that they have a place in the, in the system of things. So bringing diapers to you, helping with feedings as best you can tolerate, sitting with you and the baby to make them feel like they're a part of this because there will be those, why are you holding the baby and not holding me? Why are you not giving me your full attention? Because there's this new thing here that I don't really care for. And so you'll have to find ways to integrate and basically have them become part of this new experience. You're going to, uh, I always, when the, when the, somebody messages and says, how am I going to be able to love another baby as much as I love this child, is there enough love in my heart? And it's like, you will, you will not only be able to love them equally, they will annoy you equally. So <laughs> yeah. it will be just fine. Like, don't, don't worry about that. There really are no favorites. I absolutely, I have three kids and I do not have a favorite. They annoy me equally to the end, to the umpteenth extent. It doesn't matter what, 
you know, and they're all good at different things and they're, and they all throw fits over different things and they're never going to agree. And I doubt that there's going to be a moment when, and if you continue to have children, um, they, they, there's rarely a moment when all three will cooperate or four or five or however many you have. And that's just part of life, but it's going to be the best thing ever to have this new addition to the family. And there are going to be moments where you sit there and you just cry because you look at them both and you think, oh my gosh, my heart couldn't possibly be more full. And then there are going to be moments when you look at them and you think, oh my gosh, what did I do? This was the dumbest thing ever. And you just have to roll with that and know that it's going to be okay and you will survive it. And at some point you will even past the survival moment and you'll be able to thrive and enjoy it. It just takes time. And participate in Wines Day. And participate in Wines Day because we all need a giggle and a laugh and some fun. And and I, I think I the thing that I've said over and over again is I'd much rather laugh than cry. Yeah. So if I can find a way to get the laugh in, no matter what happened that day, I'm going to mark it in the win column. Because the crying happens and it's okay that we cry and it's necessary that we cry. But I have to end it. I have to end the day on a laugh, you know? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. great advice. And people can go to your videos for that laugh. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> so for people that are sort of new to that's inappropriate, what are the videos you suggest they start with? Oh, I think the number one, any, if, I, if I'm out or if I'm traveling and it just, it still blows my mind that people stop me and they recognize me because I just don't, it just, it blows my mind. Yeah. They always yeah. stop me and they say, oh, you're the lady who made that man cold video. And yes. it's like, ah, yes, the man cold. I think, I don't think that I could possibly ever outdo the man cold. I'm going to try, you know what I mean? Cause you just have to try and, and always get, you know, do one better. But the man cold, uh, I think is one that just relates to every, I think it just relates to both men and women, which is why I think it just went so insanely vi- viral. Also, because it's true, men are big, stinking babies when they're sick. So that video is for sure, probably, it's my most viewed video. And then the next one is Inside the Bowl, which is about men and boys struggle to actually get the urine into the bowl because I swear I clean up more pee than anything in my house. And so that's, that's always a a good one. And then, uh, married sex of course is another one that, that went very viral because it, it talks about the struggles when you're tired, but your husband wants to do it. And I took a lot of heat and a lot of flack for that video, but I have to remind people like this is comic relief. Yeah. You know, it's a, it is meant to be a joke. No, I do not turn my husband down every single night of the week. We actually have a very healthy, very active sex life, but it's a joke and it is meant to be funny. And there are nights that I do give him excuses like, you know, I had a chili dog for lunch. I'm a little gassy. I'm going to need to pass tonight, you know, but it's, it's, it's to be funny and to be fun and, and to get a, a laugh in because marriage can, I mean, by far, Outside, I always say outside of parenting, marriage is the hardest thing that you can possibly do when you enter into this, you know, joint effort with another person. Marriage is not easy. Agreed. Well, before we move into the five questions that I ask all of our interviewees, is there anything else that you're wanting to share with listeners? Anything you really want us to know about upcoming events or... I mean, first and foremost, you're not alone. No matter where you are in your journey, whether it be in parenthood or marriage, you're not alone. You feel like you're alone, but you're not. There are so many that are struggling and going through the exact same thing that you are in in this exact moment. So reach out, find a community. If it's not my community, find one that you can that you feel at home and park your butt and stay there and interact. And the one thing that social media and the interweb has done for us is given us a place to be able to do that and interact. So even though, uh, you know, you're in Canada and I'm in the States, we can find a way to commiserate and enjoy spending time together. And that's a plus because you need that as a human being, you need that connection. If you do want to see me live and you are in the States, you can see me, I'm going to do some stand up. I'm going to do two events in March, I will be in Nashville and in Durham, I think March 8th and 9th. And so you can find tickets on my website as well as on Facebook and you can come see me live. I'm hoping to do more live events because I do love to go out and and meet everybody in the community. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll link to those in the show notes for sure. Thank you. Okay, so our five questions. What are the things or the projects, anything really that gets you fired up in a good way? I just love to be able to relate with uh, with people because I find that that's these things that happen to us in our daily life, that's our cornerstone stuff, right? So anytime I can find a way to touch on a topic that we're all going through, I get super excited. So right before this podcast, I was trying to shoot a, a, a quick video on, you know, Elf on the Shelf because in the month of December, every mom is struggling with the Elf on the Shelf. So I, I literally made a 30 second clip about it because I thought to myself, oh, I have to make this freaking Christmas experience magical. Okay, let's go. And so anytime I can find that, I get excited and I kind of try to, you know, uh, reach out to other moms who are feeling that way. And that's, I think, why I like to do live experiences or live events, whether it's stand up or if I'm keynoting at a conference or doing something like that. I love to meet people. And so that gets me really excited and really fired up. So I'm hoping to do more of those in 2018. Well, when you do come to Canada. Oh, I'd love to. I love Canada. I came in June and I fell in love with Canada. Oh, good. Where did you go? Uh, I went to Toronto. Okay. And um, just adore it. And of course, I I am very good friends with Kat and Nat. I don't know if you know them, but they are they are a delight. They are hysterical and they are fun anytime I can get together with them. So uh, I, and I know that they have been doing live events up in Canada and they're getting ready to come to the state. So kudos to them. I, I have been watching them live and we chat on the phone. They are two fantastic women. Oh, great. What's the most inspiring book that you've read in the past few years? Oh, you know, I have read a bunch of stuff recently by friends of mine, different bloggers. Um, I did read a book by Josh Shipp that was really good called The Grown-Up's Guide to uh, Teenage Humans. Uh, He had actually, I had been following him for a while, and I read this one uh, because people were asking me, I'm always looking for good reads to give to my audience because whether the kids are going through, and I think I connected with this one recently because my oldest is going through puberty and it's, it's a tough topic to tackle because you don't want to sit down. None of us want to sit down and talk about sex and masturbation and all of the things that are going to happen to our kids as they go through puberty but we have to. And so I had actually read this book before I started talking with my son. And it's not a talk. It's the talks. Because it's not something that you can just start and stop and finish in 30 minutes. You have to really gauge and have these conversations as they're going through it. Because you don't want them to feel ashamed or embarrassed. You want to be able to talk with them openly. So that's actually, I did two videos called, um, the birds and the bees, the puberty talk. I did one for boys and one for girls. And I did it to get laughs, right? And and kind of joke about this. But then I also did it because you do need to have these conversations with your kids. It's so important that we talk to them during this time because they're super angsty and super moody. Yeah. And if you want to continue to have dialogue with them, it's important that you do that while they're, because they're not even human beings during this phase. They're not. So when you do hit this, you're going to think back and say, oh, my gosh, she was right. Like, it is just they are absolutely not human beings. They are like puberty beasts. (laughs) And so it's important that we do talk with them about that. But I've read a couple of good books lately. Life uh, Raising Boys um, is a good one. I I read uh, a children's book about uh, a a little girl, a a woman who lost uh, her daughter, It's a sad one, but she, um, her baby, I think survived for five or six days and then went to heaven. And when she had her second daughter, her daughter asked her about the angel baby. And it's just this really great book that talks about if you've lost a baby, uh, talking to, to their siblings about that. And it's, it's fantastic. And so there are a couple of really good ones that are out there right now. And of course I always do book shares on my site. Uh, I'm getting ready to do one this week so people can see that as well. There's a bunch of good books out there that I'll be sharing for for moms for December reads. Oh, great. Do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by? I do. And some people say it's cheesy, but I I am pretty close to tattooing this on my body. So I'm going to stand firm with it. It's a, a Mark Twain quote. It says, the two most important days in your life 
are the day you are born and the day you find out why. And I have been lucky enough to figure out why I was born. So to me, that's super important. And I think it's very important that people actually figure that piece out. Because once you know who you actually are, there is nothing you can't do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I haven't actually heard that before. Oh, it's so, it just, every time I say it or I, you know, I think about it in my head, it's like, it, there, there is a moment, you know, Oprah always talks about the aha. We all, once you experience your aha moment, it's like, watch out. Yeah. I'm coming. I'm coming for you. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it no matter what. And I have, everybody always asks me, you know, like, do you ever fail? And it's like, oh, I don't know, a million times a day. Yeah. I, I I just had a video that I put out this week that tanked. It stunk. It got like no views, no traction, no reach. And I thought to myself, meh, I thought that was hilarious. Like I thought it was the funny. When I was editing this video, I was laughing out loud so hard and it stunk, right? But like it was a flop and it's like, that's okay. I got something out of it. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So it didn't do well. It was a failure. No big deal. I'll hit it again. I'll go at it again. We, we, you know, I think people forget that they don't see the back end of this, of what we do, right? Like all of the videos that we edit that just are super stinky or the podcasts that we do that don't get, you know, a lot of listens. And it doesn't matter. You have to keep trucking and you have to keep plugging away because if one person watched this and laughed and got something out of it and said, me too, I've done my job. Yeah. It doesn't, they, I I think people think, oh, if they don't all go viral, it's, it's a failure. No, that's absolutely not. You know, somebody, I got a kick out of it. Somebody else watched it and got a kick out of it. A million people don't have to watch it and get a kick out of it for it to be a success, you know? So we have these kind of failures in the eyes of, you know, social media or the public or whatever, but it's like, take your win out of that, even if it was a, a stinker and move on to the next thing. Yeah. What's the best life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given? Another cheesy one. If it's meant to be, it will be. Yeah. It's so hard to say that in the middle of it, but I can guarantee you that there is truth in that because I have wanted things to work out so hard and then they didn't and it was a, a, you know, a complete flop and it was the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. Best thing that could have happened. So if it's meant to be, it will. And if it's not, you're going to be redirected to a different path or to a, you know, a different stage or phase or whatever. Um, We have had people come into our lives for a season and for a reason. And when it is time for them to go or depart or a thing to go or to depart, let that go because something else is coming, you know, and there are also people who were sent to us or things that were sent to us simply to be a lesson. So take the lesson, learn it and move on. I I put a meme up, uh, I don't know, almost a year ago or, you know, six, eight months ago that said you, you were simply a lesson. That is it. You were simply a lesson. That person, you know, did something, said something that they were simply a lesson. Move on. Don't hold the grudge. Don't sit there in your angst and, and stew in it. Move on. Yeah. My grandmother used to say what's for you won't go by you. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. So final question, Meredith, what does it mean to you to live your best life? It means at the end of the night, when I put my head on the pillow, I have done and given everything that I could give that day, no matter what. And I, like I said, I always try to end the day with some, something that has given me a laugh or given me a grin or a, you know, a chuckle because I just need to know that I have given given everything to that day. So I know a lot of times I, I seem overwhelmed and frantic and I'm going in nine million different directions, but that's because I need to make sure that I have given every ounce every single day. And that is in every respect. I take my hour to go and do yoga almost every day. And I give every bit in that hour because I am worth that hour that I'm giving to myself. And when I'm going and working on a project or I'm doing something for the community or I'm doing something for a friend or a family member, I give every single ounce because I have been blessed with, with thinking that my time card was about to be punched. So 
I am, I really do. I am so happy. (laughs) It's a weird thing to say. I am so happy that I had that tumor back in 2014 because it gave me the ability to know that I, you know, life is short and I need to go out and do everything that I have set out to do and not have any regrets for that. I have to be able to give it all. I absolutely love that. Well, so thank you so much, Meredith, for joining us on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you. I I loved every minute of it. I can't wait to um, to connect with your your followers and uh, hopefully we can, my followers are going to come over and follow you and your followers will come and follow me and we can all have a big uh, loving love fest. (laughs) Yeah. I had such a great time interviewing Meredith and I'm not surprised, to be honest, that she's created this incredible community, expansive community. She's just passed a million fans on Facebook because people can really relate to what she's saying. And it's so incredible that, you know, she's able to get these videos across in her own words. And if you read her writing, it is very much, it sounds like you're having a conversation with her. And that goes such a long way in terms of making that connection with people. And like I said in the intro, Meredith is just such a big believer, and I'm sure you heard it come across in the interview, that we're not alone. And there are people out there that can be your community and just never feel like you're, never feel like you're alone in this crazy journey. Find your tribe, find your people, and uh, we can get through it all together. Show notes for today, again, and all the links to everything that we talked about is at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 43. That includes the link to That's So Maven, the podcast that's part of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, next time on the podcast, I'm just going to give you a little preview. I am joined by a genuine magician and Guinness Book of World Record holder, Carissa Hendricks. And we talk about... You know, how you create, how you go about following your passion in something as quirky as magic and making it a full-time career. We also talk about some controversy that she experienced and how you deal with sort of online haters or how you kind of handle backlash. And can you actually come out on the other side and how do you communicate with people when you have differing points of view and opinions. So it was such a blast to interview her. I actually got to see her her sort of studio area in person. Uh, the number of costumes this girl has is incredible. I got to see her magic doves. It was pretty cool. So I think you will enjoy that episode. But until then, because that won't come out till the new year, I'm wishing you a very happy holiday season. I hope it's restful. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you have lots of fun as well. And take time to appreciate your friends and family, to spend time with people that you care about, and to take time for yourself. Self-care is so important, especially at this time of year when we can just go full out and get really stressed out. So I'm wishing you all the best. And I look forward to catching up with you in 2018. Take care.